Philippians 2, verse 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your, own, to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Olivia, or as I like to say, Sister Sheringa. Well, it's good to be here this evening. Uh, I have a brother and his wife and uh, children that are missionaries in Australia, and uh, my wife and I wanted to go there, you know, once, and this is to Perth, Australia. This is the most isolated major city in the world, other than, I suppose, Honolulu, and uh, it's on the Indian Ocean. Uh, we spent a couple days in Sydney, and uh, true to form, I like to take pictures with trees. This is my, one of my favorite tree pictures. Uh, Palos friends, I'm a little uh, into the tree thing. And uh, I thought there should be a lineup of people waiting to get their photo, but there was not. And my dear wife just goes along with, with this. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is we're in a different culture. And uh, I, I kind of like to learn about different cultures. And when there, I, I really enjoy taking the posture of learner. Not, uh, hey, I'm an American, but hey, I want to learn. You know, how do, how do things go in your culture? Uh, one thing I took note of is they speak English, but all the words that they use that are different. Now, we're not going to spend too, too much uh, time in the next slides, but here are some of the words uh, that are different. And now, kind of click through, uh, you know, they say go to the toilet. That's rather crass for us. But anyway, a cookie is a biscuit, and sunglasses are sunnies. Uh, then we have the bathing suit or swimmers, and a sweater is a jumper. Uh, my uh, uh, 17-year-old nephew, it was just weird. It was a little chilly out, and he's like, before we leave, I need to get my jumper. What? It's a sweater. Okay. And uh, they have no sneakers, gym shoes, or tennis shoes. They do not say that. They're called runners. Uh, now, this makes sense to me. We should say footpath. I mean, that side, yeah. Uh, now, the playoffs are the finals, and the finals are the grand finals. And that's not just for professional sports. This is for, like, AYSO soccer. I mean, my little niece is, I hope we get into the grand finals this year. I'm like, what, are you on some elite team? No, no. It's, no. Um, and then uh, these are school terms. Uh, not grade school, but it's primary. No 12th grade. It's always year 12, year 10. And uh, friends, in Australia, they have no boring field trips. They have excursions. Urgents. Now, very often in Australia, um, people would do something for me, and I instinctively would say thank you, and almost always the reply was, no worries, no worries, ah, no worries. 
And it was almost as if, in their culture, this was what's expected. They have no problem uh, doing this for it. You don't even need to thank me. And uh, so it was very interesting for me to learn, uh, in addition to these words, various things about Australian culture. Uh, why do I bring this up with this sermon this evening? Um, all of us need to be people that are teachable, people that want to learn. And uh, obviously, when we come to a passage like Philippians chapter 2, we need to come saying, Jesus, teach me. Teach me your way and teach me more about yourself. Now, uh, this evening, I have a thesis statement for my message. Any English teachers here? Give me, give me an A for the thesis statement. I guess, give me an A if it's a good thesis statement, okay? So my thesis statement for the sermon uh, is this. In Jesus, our service should reflect unity, humility, and victory. It's on the, there we go. In Jesus, our service should reflect unity, humility, and victory. So let's get right at it. Unity, united service, united service. Now, um, as a teacher in school, something I never have to tell students is, all right, get into friend groups. I, I never say this. Why? Because it happens automatically, the grouping up. And uh, it's a good thing to be in a friend group. In fact, if you're not in a friend group, it's not like, oh, who cares? That's blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not, and I would like to be in one. So friend groups are they're good. Except the problem is when the friend group becomes so tight, it becomes exclusive. And it does not become, it's not aware of the needs around them. And there is no openness to other people in the friend group. So friend group's good, but uh, sometimes it gets too uh, um, exclusive. And in our world today, um, you can see that, and we see this in the news, different groups all the time, they get so set in their ways that any other group is not just a group you disagree with, it's an enemy. We, we hate them rather than we disagree with them. So our world has got a lot of problems when it comes to this idea of unity. Well, let's look to unity found in Jesus Christ. And uh, think about this. Think about the early church. That culture. That culture had all different levels of society. Okay, all these different levels. None of these levels interacted with each other in terms of friendship. Now, in terms of business and commerce, sometimes this level had to deal with this level, or this level had to deal with this level. Fine. But they weren't friends. You know, different levels didn't go over to each, other, each other's houses for a meal. They were separate. Enter the early church. And here you have people from this level that are believers in Jesus, and, and this section of society that become believers in Jesus, and, and this section of society. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in worship in church, and outside of church, there is no social interaction as friends. This is not natural, this, this type of unity. And actually, it isn't. It is supernatural. It is the Spirit of God working in these people, bringing them together. Now, as we look at our text, uh, Philippians 2, 
Interestingly, I think Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, which serves as context for this passage, uh, offers uh, some insight. Philippians 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So, how do you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel? We read on. Then whether I come and see you or not, or only hear about you in my absence, says the Apostle Paul, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one for the faith of the gospel. As one for the faith is the gospel. We're worthy in the gospel call as we are unified. Now when we get to uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 1, we see four reasons for Christian unity. And... uh, You'll notice here, or recall, there's four ifs. If you have any encouragement, if any comfort, and Paul is not saying you probably don't, but maybe. I mean, he is implying that they should. So the word if here really takes on the force of, the, of, of since. Since. Um, since you have encouragement from being united with Christ. So what are the four reasons for Christian unity? You're encouraged by unity with Christ. You live in God's love. These are all wonderful things. You have sharing in the Spirit. God is working in you. And there is tenderness and compassion. All beautiful things, reasons for unity. What is the point here? Our unity should be, yes, I get to. Not, I've got to be unified with these people. Unity is not to be a burden. It is simply to be a delight. Unity is more of, hey, let's go out for ice cream, not go clean your room. It is a gift. It is something beautiful and wonderful. Unity, not something to, to uh, come at with, with a grudge and, oh, I guess I have to do this. Now, Philippians 2.2 uh, gives us uh, the reason, um, it gives us four ways to describe the unity, four ways. And it simply says, uh, like-minded, same love, being one in spirit and one in purpose. Okay? Uh, Four ways to describe this unity. Same goals, same purpose. We're all on the same page in terms of the vision and what we want to accomplish. This unity is not, we're all the same. I was thinking about this. One way in which I think Faith Church can improve their unity, it's my ideas, is next Sunday, how about you all have a dress like Pastor Greg Sunday? And you can all wear khaki pants, khaki, uh, khaki skirt, khaki pants, and a blue checked shirt. What do, what do you think? Huh? I'm not getting responses on this. No. Okay. Of course, that's not the point. Intentionally, We have different gifts. We have different personalities. Different things burden each of us. We encourage one another in different ways. And that is all beautiful, that all of these differences can come together and we still have the same purpose, the same goal of serving Jesus, the same desire to serve for the benefit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So even though we are different, we are still united. 
Now, how do we live out this united service? It can be rather difficult living in individualistic America. We swim in a cultural soup where constantly we are told that I am the most important. Uh, what, what I want for my life is more important than anything else. How I feel, my desires, is most important. Now, these, these views can seep into the church uh, by us thinking that the most important thing is my walk with Jesus. That's the most important thing. And while it is extremely important that every individual professes their faith in Christ and a relationship with Jesus individually is huge, it's not just that. It is a relationship with Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. It's not just me and Jesus. It is we and Jesus. This is so important that the church is not only just called the church, it's called, it's called the body of Christ. So to live a godly life means you also need to live in unity. You can't do everything else godly and scrap unity and say, I'm fine. You, you need the unity. Our identity in Jesus Christ should have this community of Christ component as well. And when this unity is working, it is beautiful. Why? Because people all over are encouraged, built up in the faith, and are served. And when you serve in unity, you are strengthened in the faith, you grow in your own faith, and when the church services serves in unity, I believe it is also a witness to our world. Our unity can be a testimony to the truth of Jesus Christ. Because when people see different people that are all unified in love, it is attractive. Unity in Jesus Christ is attractive. So our service in Jesus should reflect unity. Secondly, our service in Jesus Christ should reflect humility. Humility. I was thinking about what do people look up to in our world? Who are people that are put on a pedestal like, wow, they're great? Well, it's usually people that get a lot of media attention and social media hits. I was thinking, you know, Instagram is more than just a passing of pictures back and forth. Uh, sure, it's that. There is also big business in Instagram for certain people to self-promote themselves. I mean, they are doing all sorts of things to gain more and more followers so that they are more and more promoted. The, the goal is promotion. It is not humility. Now, when people in our world see humble acts of service, I still believe that resonates. There's something with us as humans when we see humility at work, regardless of what we believe, we go, that's good. So the world still values hum humility. However, for the rich and the famous, if they're not humble, well, it's fine because they're rich and famous. So we'll look over the lack of humility and we'll still put them up on a pedestal. Well, obviously, 
the one that we look up to in the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, is humble, is humble. As we look at humility in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3a talks about the opposite of humility. No selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is when you have goals and you will achieve those goals even if it means stepping on people in the process. Who cares? My goal. Vain conceit. The old word for that is vainglory. Simply, I am most important. Then we have the positive views of humility. Uh, 3B, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Honestly, look to other people's talents and gifts and points of view and really honor them and understand them and value them. Very important. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Obviously, it's automatic that we look to our own interests, right? Like when I wake up in the morning, okay? Okay, it is in my best interest to get a cup of coffee, okay? I'm going to do this, and it's just kind of automatic. And then it's in my best interest, and it's since, since I'm a teacher, to make sure my hair looks nice. Now, of course, it takes me 30 seconds, but still. So we naturally do things every day. Oh, I'm hungry, I eat. They're in my best interest. It's not always automatic for us to always be thinking what's in the other person's best interest. And a real growth, for it, growth edge for us as disciples of Jesus is to just be more natural, to go through life. And I, I don't do this on my own strength. I pray for this. God help me. But just to go through life and automatically think, What's in this person's best interest? What, what situation of life are they coming from? And, and how can I help them or meet their need in this moment? Looking to the interests of others. And then we come to verse uh, 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And we come to the very famous Christ hymn in Philippians chapter 2. Now, uh, no fault on, this, on the screen. Okay. But the screen, when we read it, it just had it, had it blocked off. When you look at it in the Bible, it's, it's set apart as, as poetry. Uh, it's set apart as the Christ hymn, in a sense. And you'll see that in the Bible. Um, this is a very famous and very rich s- section of Scripture. And uh, for the purpose of this sermon, I'm just going to hit a few parts. I'm not doing justice to the depth of this text. Um, But simply, humility found in Jesus. As I was preparing this, this this part of the message, I thought, you know what? I can speak it accurately, but I cannot do justice to the weight, to the gravity to the power that is here. I guess I want to grow grow in this throughout my life. But when you think that the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, Jesus, pre-existent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ 
became a man on this planet. And when you look at Earth relative to the solar system and not even, you know, the Milky Way and the galaxy, when Jesus, pre-existent God, became man on this little rock, the humility is mind-boggling. And not only that, in love, he suffered and he died for us. The humility in the suffering of the Son of God and his death, it is simply mind-boggling. My efforts at humility are, are so feeble, and yet the Bible says, look to Jesus as the example of humility. And a beautiful example it is. How do we live out this humble service? How do we live it out? Well, we serve. I guess you sign up. You do things. You serve. And when you serve, you never think you're better than others. You, you never give disrespect. It is respect to other people. And, and you serve and seek to be Christ-like in the service. Humble, humble service. The only way we can do it is to look to Jesus. It's not by gritting our teeth. It's, it's to look to Jesus, and we get our humble service. So when we serve, we should serve with unity, serve with humility, and then finally, serve with victory. What about victory in our world? Victory in our world, I think of uh, people that have achieved it all. It's, you know, money, sex, and power. There you go. Victory in our world. Uh, recently, I read an article about a musician. Uh, the 40th anniversary of his death was this past August. Do you know who the... You don't have to say. I'm not asking for a response. But I'm just waiting. Maybe you think this. And I would not have known this other than it was in the news. So it was Elvis Presley. And I read an article about Elvis Presley, and uh, fascinating, fascinating uh, life. And uh, um, boy, he talked about somebody who had it all, really, money, sex, and power. There it was. And when you read about the end of his life, extremely sad. Not a flourishing life. Not a victorious life, and an unfortunate end to his life. It was not an example of this is what I want for my life. So victorious in the world, victory in the world is very different than victory as explained in God's word. Uh, victory in Jesus. And uh, we find these in these uh, beautiful words in verses 9, 10, and 11 God exalted him to the highest place. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So you see here that Jesus unifies his church. Jesus also is an example to us in service. But when it comes to victory, the point here is that Jesus Christ is the exalted Lord. 
So Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And he comes as king. Jesus Christ came, incarnate baby, both fully man and fully God. He suffered for our sins and he died. He rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father as as we proclaim this evening. And Jesus will come again. And not only that, will he come again, he will come again to rule eternally as the exalted Lord over his people in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, why is this important? It's important for us because we serve Jesus today as the exalted king with the promise of the eternal reign of Jesus over the new heavens and the new earth. That means that our present service today points forward to Jesus' eternal reign. It also means that our present service today has eternal consequence. Now, exactly what that eternal consequence means, I am not sure. I just know from God's word that our actions today, our service today, has eternal consequence. That means what we do, it has purpose. It's it's real. We serve a risen king. Now, if there was an outside observer right now looking in on us, okay? Now, they would say, this looks like a nice group of people. You know, there's this short guy talking to them. They're very nice for listening to him, and it's a nice meeting. Now, if this visitor were to go to Washington, D.C., they're like, wow, like it or not, there's a lot of power there. New York, New York. The finances, there's power there. What about Hollywood? Oh my, the influence in Hollywood. And now we get to add another place to this. Silicon Valley. The tech world. The influence and the power. How do we right there, right now, compare to those places? From the outside observer, they go, this is very nice, but you guys are weak. And I would respectfully object. We need to look at life from God's perspective. Tonight, we worship the triune God. We profess our faith in the name of Jesus, that he is exalted over all. Tonight, even just right now, makes a difference for God's kingdom. Our service is powerful, not because of me or you. It's because of what God has done for us, and in his name we serve. Now, just think about this right now, all around us. Right now, we we have two musicians. Well, we have three. uh, uh, Pastor Greg played here with the piano, and we have the organ. Now, think about the piano and the organ, organists. Think about these ladies as little girls sitting at the piano, their legs dangling. Mary had a little, you know, they're doing this. But guess what they did? They kept practicing. They kept practicing. They grew up. And then tonight is about to come. And they plan. And they practice. And why do they do it? It's service to Jesus. It's not like, well, I guess we have to. It's service to Jesus. And they bless us with music. And we join our voices with them in music. And they're even brave enough to do a hymn sing. I'm like, are you serious? What if five flats come? And they're like, okay, fine, we'll do this. Right now, there are people in the nursery 
with beautiful service. Beautiful service. They're skipping out on this service to serve some people here. Additionally, they have precious lives before them, and they're serving there. The sound booth has to take care of all these technical things, and so we don't have to. It is beautiful service. And now my question is this. How are you serving? How is God calling you to serve? My high school friends, where are you? High school, raise your hands. Come on, be bold. Be, yes, yes, there. Okay, uh, friends, back here. All right? How is God calling you to serve? Some of you are serving now. Wonderful. But there's going to be other opportunities. How is God going to call you to take a step of faith, a step of faith to serve? And when you do, never let the world think, oh, this is dumb or blah, blah, blah. No, it's in Jesus' name. And that makes all the difference. Service in Jesus' name. We have victory in our service. Our service is surprising. It's surprising because it's just not the way the world may see it in Jesus' name. And our service is done with unity, humility, and we do it in Jesus' name. He's the victorious Lord. And so we do our service knowing that Jesus rules and reigns over all. I was thinking about the conclusion for the message and here's how I would like, like to conclude the message in a prayerful kind of way. Um, I've asked uh, our uh, pianist and organist to come up, and uh, they're going to play quietly while I read Philippians 2, 1 through 11 again. And uh, I would invite you, I mean, I would invite you to treat this prayerfully. Feel free, close your eyes. Um, if you want to look up here, that's fine, whatever. Um, but let's, let's, let's listen to these words uh, once again. And uh, then I will just offer a short word of prayer after this, and then we will stand to sing. Uh, so, people of God, listen to God's word in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Mighty God, we are thankful for these words of life. May they guide our steps. Holy Father, may your Spirit work within us so that we might be more devoted disciples of Jesus. May we be united in Jesus. May we be humble in our service like Jesus. And may we serve with victory because Jesus is Lord over all. Amen.